a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And as always, it's time for us to get past the headlines just a little bit. We need to dig a little deeper, think a little bigger, challenge our assumptions a little stronger. And of course, whenever necessary, we need to make sure we disagree just a little bit better. So let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. So it is time to think again. We've been watching a lot of the headlines today uh, coming out of Israel and uh, Gaza as Hamas continues to lob rockets in and the Israelis continue to do airstrikes out. And there's a lot behind the scenes going on as uh, the political battle here in the United States heats up just a little bit. And uh, we're pleased to welcome to the show our good friend Johnny Moore, uh, who has written a, a great piece with Abraham Cooper in Newsweek this week, uh, talking about the conversations that we're having about what's going on in the Middle East. And uh, Johnny, thanks for joining us today. Hey, boy, it's good to be with you. Uh, you've uh, done a lot of work in the Middle East uh, in uh, various capacities, including uh, working with a lot of interfaith uh, connections there. Uh, as you look at what is happening, uh, what are some of the things that we're not talking about or some of the conversations that aren't happening uh, as it relates to what's going on in the Middle East right now? Well, look, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like anyone wants to compare the, the foreign policy of the previous administration to the to the current one. And, and, and it's not that complicated. I mean, the you know, the Trump administration embraced a, a peace through strength you know, agenda. And, you know, a lot of the conventional voices on the Middle East, they're now all in charge again. And, you know, we've, we've given funding back to UNRWA. We're negotiating just about to enter the fifth round of negotiations with the Iranians and in Vienna. And, and frankly, the whole region's blowing up. But, but, you know, it's not just that the region's blowing up. It's that it's having effects on domestic politics here in the, in the United States as well, including attacks on Jews in, in cities like Los Angeles and, and, and New York City. The, the, as has always been the case, what happens in the Middle East never just stays in the Middle East uh, when it comes to politics in the United States of America. I'm just a little concerned about where all this is going. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought it full circle because to me this is one of those great examples of how interconnected the world is, how small the world is, and that what does happen in the Middle East uh, does impact us right down into our communities. Uh, we had here in Salt Lake City over the weekend uh, someone uh, etch a swastika into the glass uh, at one of our synagogues in downtown Salt Lake City. So we, we do see all of that playing out. And uh, Jenny, I wanted to ask you specifically, you mentioned Iran. I think that is the big 
linchpin to all of this, that Iran has been this great destabilizing force in the region at very high human costs. Uh, and so I want to go back, if you go back to the Iran deal, uh, and then as you mentioned, the Trump administration uh, shifted that and went with a peace through strength. It seems now that the Biden administration is rushing back to the table uh, for the Iran nuclear deal. And what does that do in terms of uh, Israel and other allies in the region having any confidence in the U.S. as an ally? Well, the, the, the problem is it's it's just doublespeak, right? I mean, the, 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 the administration and, and lots of members of Congress, you know, claim that our, our relationship with Israel is is ironclad and they and they may they may actually mean that and it's and it's ironclad because of security cooperation and it being the only democracy in the Middle East and all these other good reasons. The problem is is like simultaneously handing billions of dollars to the Iranian regime, which they which they use to destabilize the, the, the not just the region. When you destabilize the region you destabilize the whole world. And the and the basically every weapon provided to Islamic jihad, the weapons provided to Demo, to, to uh, Hamas. I mean, these are all coming from the from the Iranian uh, regime. And I mean, literally out of the fourth round of negotiations this week, while 4000 Iranian supplied rockets were flung into Israel, you know, several of the participating parties, including the Russians, you know, have all, all come out of the negotiations saying they're expecting the U.S. to reenter the JCPOA as early as next week. I mean, wow. it, it really is something. I mean, it, and 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 we have to raise voice about it. I mean, there there is literally uh, a, a loss of moral clarity um, on on this issue. There is, unfortunately, on the very far progressive left, you know, this type of Hamas caucus, you know, that has organized itself that sees no difference between uh, Hamas and Islamic Jihad, you know, and the Palestinian Authority, for instance, and the Palestinians yeah. generally speaking. These are U.S.-designated terrorist groups. You know, there needs to be one clear voice, and it needs to begin with Congress saying to the president administration, as long as rockets are flying in the Middle East, there can be no Iran deal under these circumstances. Yeah, I, I think that's so vital. And uh, in your Newsweek piece, you, you raised this Hamas caucus, uh, including uh, people like Representative uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York, uh, that do seem to be speaking very different uh, language in terms of what's going on. Part of that's uh, doublespeak, part of that's political speech. Uh, but it just seems to be so out of touch in terms of where we need to be. Uh, w- what is the key to getting that certain trumpet, that clarion call, uh, so that we can start moving forward in terms of getting to ceasefires and, and to peace? Well, look, I mean, it's Republicans need to police extremism in their caucus, and Democrats mm-hmm. need to do the same thing. And it needs mm-hmm. to begin with the White House. And, and this, is, this is unacceptable. I mean, it's unacceptable for, frankly, the most famous Democrats in America I mean, you know, AOC's, AOC's tweet about uh, Israel being an apartheid state and therefore not a democracy was shared over 300,000 times. You know, wow. and, and, and there has been nary a word, you know, from, from, from the White House directly calling her out. And the fact of the matter is, you know, it's very likely that AOC challenges Chuck Schumer, you know, when he, when he comes up for reelection uh, next year. And she could, win that, she could win that race. And so the Democratic Party and the Republican Party – they both need to decide that their job is not just to criticize the other side, but to make sure that they're equal opportunity critics within their own caucus. And this yeah. is not a hard one, Boyd. This is not <laughs> difficult. This is a foreign terrorist organization hurling thousands of rockets at civilians. This, this, there's no cost to this. Just yeah. raise 
your voice. Yeah. Uh, so good. Uh, Johnny Moore, president of the Congress of Christian Leaders, uh, also heads uh, is the founder of Kairos uh, and just one of the great thinkers and strategists uh, out there. Johnny, thanks for weighing in today. Thanks for having me, boy. All right. Again, that's uh, Johnny Moore. And uh, to me, it's so important, the fact uh, that Johnny hit on here in terms of the rhetoric from the extreme left and the extreme right as it relates to this. Both sides need to, as Johnny said, police their own members in terms of the extreme rhetoric, which doesn't help us and undermines our credibility and our ability to lead and negotiate and help bring about peace, not just in the Middle East, but as uh, Mr. Moore said, uh, it impacts us right here at home. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.